This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and this is Gigi Well Played, BFM's video game show. Selamat Hari Raya and maaf Zahir dan Batin. We're at the end of April which means that it's time for Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchupore.com to join me on the show for our monthly run-up of news and games that were released this month. As always, let's get through the news first with the newly released Super Mario Brothers movie. The Super Mario Brothers movie has garnered US $871 million worldwide despite middling reviews from critics on the first week of April. I believe it was April 6th when it came out in the US and Singapore. The Super Mario Brothers movie definitely continued to rack up, you know, the proverbial coins in the box office, nearing $1 billion after just 18 days in theatres worldwide. So it's really close to reaching a billion, meaning it'll be joining films like Spider-Man No Way Home, Top Gun Maverick and Avatar Way of Water in the best grossing films in the pandemic era that go beyond US 1 billion in ticket sales. And of course, it's also one of the top video game movie adaptations in terms of money, basically. So it's actually the biggest in terms of opening and also in terms of racking up money and whatnot. I think it's close to Detective Pikachu or probably surpassed it. I need to actually look at it more. But we'll just wait for a month or so. But so far, it's very promising and it shouldn't come as a surprise given that Mario and the property itself from Nintendo is probably bigger than Mickey Mouse, arguably. I mean, I personally find it a bit surprising that it's managed to garner this amount so far, but I understand that you've watched the movie. Uh, what do you think of the movie? Oh, the movie is very simplistic. It's a fun family movie. It's alright. It's hits all the right notes. It's got the references for kids and adults for those who actually stuck through Mario since the 1986 period onward in the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo era and it's just fun to watch. It's really fun. I can see the love being put in the movie itself but at the same time it is a kids film. It is made by Illumination who are known for making films like Minions and Despicable Me and The Secret Life of Pets. So if you know what you're getting into, you'll have a lot of fun in the movie. Especially since if you're a video game fan who stuck around with the Mario series and Nintendo through thick and thin. Alright, fantastic. Okay, um, I'm going to move on with the next item, which is still a movie adaptation of, a, of another beloved franchise, Resident Evil Death Island. Um, it has a release date now in Japan. Yes, it will be coming out in Japan on the 7th of July. The movie follows Leon as he attempts to rescue Dr. Antonio Taylor from kidnappers. Obviously, a uh, this is a Resident Evil side story per se. It takes place, I'm guessing, after one of the Resident Evil entries, probably part five. So, you know, and then there's a mysterious woman who's trying to prevent Leon from doing his job. At the same time, Chris Redfield, also another Resident Evil character, is investigating a zombie outbreak in San Francisco. So the latest trailer in the film is notable for having Leon S. Kennedy and Jill Valentine working together for the first time. Apart from those two, we also have Chris, like you said, like I said, Chris Redfield's inside, Claire Redfield, his sister, and Rebecca Chambers, also from Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 0. So the show will be out worldwide in English a few weeks after the Japanese release and will be distributed by Sony Pictures. The film is made by Cubico and anime studio TMS Entertainment. And of course, it's licensed by Capcom. I suspect this film will be just be exactly the same like in the other CGI Resident Evil films where it's just pure fan service, nothing more. And, you know, in terms of action and stupid dialogue, it'll still retain that. And... It'll just be fun, but the kind of fun where it's not really... It's just meant for fans of the series to see them 
iconic characters working together. Uh, I have a question. Are these films usually canonical to the main storyline in the games? Well, the thing about Resident Evil is that its canon is also kind of messed up because I'm not sure whether this is actually following the original Resident Evil story or the remake story because those two have their own different timelines and whatnot. But I suspect this takes place after part five because Jill Valentine is still traumatized from the events from either part three, the remake, or part five where she turned blonde and was actually under the control of Albert Wesker. So it's really hard to say until we watch the movie itself, but... Capcom doesn't really care about its own timeline as long as it's a movie that's fun and easy to make and, you know, gets all the money and whatnot because people will jump on board with the Resident Evil team-up film. <laughs> all right. So from Resident Evil, we move on to Sonic and um, the spin-off for the movie uh, Knuckles. Uh, apparently, they have already named the cast. Yes, yes. These include uh, Idris Elba, of course, reprising his role as Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Adam Pally as Wade Whipple, Tika Sumter as Maddie Wachowski, and Game of Thrones star Rory McCann, who, is, who plays the Hound in the show, as a yet-to-be-revealed character. The show will also star Eddie Patterson, Julian Barrett, Scott Mascuti, and Ed Ellie Taylor in recurring roles. Production for the series kicked off earlier this month, with the TV series featuring returning key creators of the Sonic films, like director Jeff Fowler, who will be doing the first episode, and writer John Whittington, who also will write the first episode. There's no word on the show's release date, but its plot will take place between Sonic 2 and Sonic 3, with the latter hitting theatres on 20th December 2024. So it will be on Paramount, I believe. Uh, I the streaming service. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure about this, but I guess I'm not very familiar with the franchise enough to know whether Knuckles is as popular. I mean, the, the movie adaptation of it was pretty decent, to be fair, but yeah. It was sure. decent. Yeah, it was yeah. decent. I kind of like the whole dynamic between Sonic, Tails, Knuckles. Mm. Though I don't really care about the human characters, so <laughs> I don't know how the TV series will be. Like, whether it won't have the budget to have all the CGI characters coming in because that's the whole point of a Sonic movie. You want to see the CGI characters interact with each other and fight against Robotnik and whatever trouble he can steer and whatnot. Correct, yeah. But is Knuckles as popular as Sonic though? That's the thing, right? <laughs> well, he has his own spin-off. I mean, I guess in the comic series, in the Archie series back in the 90s, he was. So he's actually a decent character with his own backstory and whatnot. Uh, moving on, we come back to Capcom and a new Street Fighter movie is apparently announced um, via Legendary. Yes, Legendary Entertainment has made an official announcement on Twitter that they'll be producing both film and TV shows based on the Street Fighter license. They acquired the rights as of late and more news about this will be shared in the coming months. And for those who don't know, Legendary Entertainment is responsible for producing Dune, Detective Pikachu, Kong Skull Island, and Godzilla vs. Kong. So there should be no strangers to sci-fi, fantasy, and pop culture icons and templates. Yeah, I wonder whether Jean Claude Van Damme is still active or not. Oh, probably not. Probably not. They need to find new blood for this sort of thing. I mean, I guess Jean Claude Van Damme could make a cameo, but that's about it. Yeah. I mean, right. he is old and he <laughs> needs to retire, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, moving on um, from Street Fighter, we have taken it, but the game, and apparently it's going to be featuring crossplay and a bigger roster than Street Fighter Six at launch. That is correct. So Tekken director Katsuhiro Harada said on Twitter that the game will feature crossplay and rollback, which means the netcode would actually be stable for people to fight. And there'll also be a beta for the game, though at this point in time, Bandai Namco are focusing on doing closed alpha testing at each public event where Tekken 7 is being held, like the Tekken Mages and whatnot, or even EVO. But the beta will have to actually happen eventually. Katsuro Harada also said that 
Tekken 8 will have a lot more characters than Street Fighter 6 at launch. He pointed out that all the assets in the game, including character modeling, rigging, and costume designs, are brand new and not reused from earlier titles. So it'll take a while for the game to come out. So, yeah, I mean, so that's why I think they're going to make it up by adding a big roster in terms of, like, taking characters from past titles and just putting it all together. So the current roster for Street Fighter 6 should be 18 or 16. So it, it shouldn't be that hard to double that considering the big roster that Tekken 7 and 6 has. In fact, they could just reuse the old roster. <laughs> so. <laughs> I know you're a huge fan of Street Fighter, but are you as excited for Tekken compared to uh, Street I Fighter 6? I am. I actually do like what they've been presented, what I've been seeing so far with the game's new heat system and making the game feel more anime, if that's a proper word for that. Like more active, more aggressive. That's the word. So it's trying to be more like what it isn't back in the day. Like, everyone's more in your face with the activated heat moves and whatnot with the new skills and special attacks. So, it looks really good. It looks really good. Alright, so moving on. Uh, Diablo 4 is getting another beta in May. That is correct. Blizzard has announced a server slam weekend for Diablo 4, which is due to run from the 13th to 15th May GMT plus 8 time. This beta will provide fans with one final chance to play the action role-playing game before it comes out in early June. Any character progress during Server Slam will not carry over at launch. The beta's level cap is level 20. You have access to Act 1's main area, the Fractured Peaks, and you get to fight World Boss Ashava 9 times throughout the weekend. If you defeat it while at level 20, you'll get the Cry of Ashava Mount Trophy for use in the final game. So that's actually one little bonus that people are looking forward to, like this special mount, which you cannot get anywhere else except from this particular specific beta. Mm. And considering the positive reception that it had um, during the previous uh, session, um, can we expect this game to be a lot more polished come May? Uh, should be a bit more polished. So I think they call it a server slam for a reason because they want a lot of people to participate and, you know, slam the server as much as they can to break it. So this is like a testing. So with any luck, if this succeeds, I guess the servers for the game's early launch in June 1st onward would be a lot more stable than, you know, Diablo 3 was back in the day. Yeah, I think that's pretty important as well. Uh, moving on, um, another game uh, under the uh, Activision Blizzard umbrella, Overwatch 2. They have a new hero now. Yes, a new support hero, Lifeweaver, who came out early this April. However, he's already been treated to a once-over as fans found him to be a bit lacking. Because compared to other supports, there wasn't much going on in the new character. Uh, lead hero designer Alec Dawson said that the hero will be getting buffs and these buffs will take place on 25th April onward. So it's pretty... I think you should also mention that the hero himself is actually created for the Thailand market considering that, the, that he, Life Weaver, is a Thai character because uh, there's actually a big Thai scene in the Overwatch scene. Yeah. Um, how's the game doing these days, um, Overwatch 2? It is hard to say because I've been very swamped with other titles so I really have no time to play Overwatch. But I can tell you that my uh, colleague, Zandria, has been playing a lot of Overwatch 2 on Twitch, on our Kakucho Parade Twitch, so I'll have to ask her one of these days. I mean, if she's still playing it, I think there's some life in the game. Lah. No, right, that's good to hear. Um, moving on, um, talking about the company itself, Activision Blizzard is apparently going to be sued uh, for alleged esports antitrust. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, so the US Department of Justice has filed a civil lawsuit against Activision Blizzard early this April, accusing the publisher of violating the Sherman Antitrust Act with Overwatch League and Call of Duty League rules that kept players' salaries down. The government is taking issue of the eSports League's competitive balance tax, which says that it was intended to penalize teams if they spent more on player salaries than an amount decided upon by Activision Blizzard. 
So according to the Justice Department Antitrust Division, video games and esports are among the most popular and fastest growing forms of entertainment in the world today. And professional esports players, like all workers, deserve the benefits of competition for their services. Activision's conduct prevented that from happening. So as at this point in time, Activision Blizzard has denied all these charges. So the case is ongoing as we speak. Mm, okay, uh, moving on. Rocksteady's uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is now going to be delayed to February next year. Much to the surprise of not many people because <laughs> this followed a report for a previous delay in March and the release of new gameplay footage in February that was met with a flood of, you know, a lot of negative reactions from fans and critics. The game was revealed back in 2022, 2020 and stars villains like Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, King Shark and Deadshot in lead roles with the theme of fighting the Justice League that's presumably being mind-controlled by Brainiac all in the open-world structure of fictional city metropolis. The delay to February 2024 was because, you know, like I said, um, people did not like that trailer with everyone holding guns and going through a Destiny Borderlands loot system. Because when I see Captain Boomerang, the last thing I want him to be holding is a gun. He should be using his many, many gadgets and boomerangs, not, you know, using a gun. Ditto King Shark and Harley Quinn. I mean, the only person who, sh- who should be holding a gun is Deadshot because it's in his name, right? Yeah. Uh, but I wonder whether they're going to have enough time to change that, though, considering it's it's a, it's a pretty major gameplay-related stuff, right? You it is gameplay-related and loot-related and structure-related. I don't know if they have enough time till February, but because of the negative backlash and seeing the screens of characters like Captain Boomerang with multicolored guns and loot compared like, like in the Destiny and Borderlands, it's easy to see why people hate this sort of thing. Because... There's something that's similar in Gotham Knights. People did not like the loot system. So to see this in a game made by Rocksteady, who are known for the acclaimed Batman Arkham trilogy, it's kind of an insult for fans and critics alike. Correct, yeah. They are definitely putting their reputation uh, on the line here, right? But yes, we'll see. very much. Yes. All right. Um, up next in the news item, uh, we have Sega. Sega apparently releases um, a joke vision novel and it ended up being the most played game in the franchise. Yeah, so this game called The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog actually came out on the 1st of April as a joke title, but it actually became the most popular on Steam. Like, it's the sec- 62nd highest rated game on April and has netted itself over 1 million downloads since 1st of April and has a 98% rating and 14k overwhelming positive reviews on Steam. So that puts The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog in league with Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed, with, which has a 94% positive rating, and Sonic Frontiers and Sonic Mania, which had like equal 94, 95, 96% uh, positive rating on Steam, which you know goes to show that, the la- I guess, Sega is the last laugh, considering that a game that isn't a typical Sonic game actually you know, got really, really popular as a result. Yeah, it was meant to be a joke, right, for April Fools, but yeah, <laughs> but it's a three-hour full-fledged game with a short mini game and a lot of like a lot of back and forth bantering with the characters like Amy the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog. I mean, I guess Knuckles, Vector the Crocodile, and all the other characters are even Tails and your newly created character just for this particular train ride. So imagine Murder on the Orient Express, but with Sonic characters. Yeah, it does look a bit cool to be fair it's cute uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun it's a fun little title I mean there's, it's harmless got a bit of good writing here and there and the writers knew what they were doing when they were making this game 
Mm, all right. Moving on, but sticking with Sega, um, and this is kind of big news, uh, I think. But I mean, I'm curious to hear your your take on it. Um, Sega bought the creator of uh, Angry Birds Rovio for, um, seven hundred seventy six million US dollars. Yep. According to the deal, Sega said its decision to buy Rovio has been driven by the need to quote unquote strengthen its position in the global gaming market and will be using Rovio's distinctive know-how in live service mobile game operation to help bring its own current and new titles to the global mobile gaming market. All I see is basically a bunch of Angry Birds spin-off using Yakuza, Like a Dragon, and Sonic the Hedgehog characters. That's it. I feel that all these words that is brought up is just a smokescreen. I mean, yes, they do need people to work on the live service, but that's the same as, for example, Square Enix needing Gumi to actually have to run their live service games that's branded under Square Enix. Because Square Enix has the money to hire third-party people to do all the heavy lifting. So this is the same idea. I guess Rovio is fine with it because they've been doing this for years and close, I, I guess 700 million is a lot of money for the company to have. And, you know, and Sega has that in this pocket change. So it's, 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 I guess you could say you could see big plans happening, but definitely an Angry Birds, a monkey ball, puzzle hybrid thing, you know, made by Rovio and, you know, maintaining it with the events and the live service thing going on. So I see this as quite a win for Sega, but in terms of gameplay and games coming out, don't expect any innovation out of it. Lah. Mm, will, will, will we see Angry Birds in Sonic's universe? Yeah, Perhaps, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, Sega owns Rovio now, so you'll see Angry Birds popping up in... <laughs> you can probably see like uh, the next life, Like a Dragon game with um, Ichiban and Kiryu, you know, holding out their handphones and, you know, playing Angry Birds on it. That would be that wouldn't be surprising in the least bit. I'm just surprised that it took them this long, though, to finally, I mean, be bought by a, one of the bigger gaming companies. I think Sega just is just planning ahead, basically. And what better way to plan ahead than to buy a company that knows how to handle mobile games? Hmm, okay, uh, up next. Yeah, from software's Hidetaka Miyazaki has been named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People of 2023 following the release of the smash hit open-world action RPG Elden Ring last February. This is following in the wake of Time's 2007 selection of Nintendo's Shigeru Miyamoto. So it's been a while, basically. Although I do personally feel that they should have people like Will Wright and whatnot being nominated on the Western side. But then again, I don't pay attention to Time's Top 100. Maybe they've been included. I don't know. But some points upon the law on my side. All right. Okay. And last but not least, uh, EA has just announced a new game called Immortals of Avium. What are your That thoughts? is correct. Yes. So it's a new game under the EA Originals line. Immortals of Avium is from Ascendant Studios. It's a first-person magic shooter in the veins of a Call of Duty-like single-player game. So basically, the latter, the company Ascendant Studios is made up of people who have made Call of Duty. Actually, mostly Call of Duty. So they have a good idea of how to make those kind of like single-player campaigns. So Immortals Avium is going to be a 20-hour single-player campaign game with a Borderlands-style open-ended structure as well as a loot system and Call of Duty's kind of gameplay, except, you know, fantasy and with the setting of fantasy and vibes and whatnot. So the game will be coming out on the 20th of July for PC, Xbox Series, and PlayStation 5 and is now supporting the Unreal Engine 5 to, you know, showcase the graphics and whatnot. It looks very pretty so far. I've seen a lot of gameplay for this title during a press preview, and it's looking very promising. I'm just not a fan of the loot system, but 
everything from the shooting, from the spell casting and opening a shield, and using your different spells to solve puzzles and fighting dragons and golems. It looks pretty cool so far. It does look pretty, to be fair, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> cool concept, um, but I'm, I guess, uh, keeping my judgment till we see a lot more. I just hope the combat, everything just feels a bit punchy and very quick. What I'm afraid of is they might have like some cut copy pasta kind of like elements. Like you fight one boss in like maybe the first three hours and then you might fight the same one in another hour and another hour or so to the point where the creators ran out of ideas for set pieces and fights. You just need to have good set pieces for memorable moments like um, Titanfall 2 or even Modern Warfare 1 and Modern Warfare 2, the, the one that came out during the Xbox 360 period. That was KKP's content director, Jonathan Leo, summarizing some of the biggest gaming news in April. One of the big news items that we missed at the time of recording is the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal, which has been blocked in the UK by the Competition and Markets Authority, as they're concerned that the deal would potentially affect innovation and provide gamers with less choice in the fast-growing cloud gaming business. Both Microsoft and Activision are not happy with the decision and said that they would appeal. We'll bring you more information later as we hear more. In the meantime, let's go for a break. Up next, April releases including Dead Island 2 and Coffee Talk 2. Stay tuned, this is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Gigi Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Jonathan Leo from kakuchopri.com joins me for our monthly run-up of news and games and let's summarize some of the biggest releases from April starting with Everspace 2. Yes, so Everspace 2 is a sci-fi flight scene that has you being a freelancer in space, doing missions and also finding out your character's origins and his escape from the space DMZ he's stuck in. It's an expertly crafted space adventure with awesome 3D movement, a plethora of weapons for you to pick from for your ship, as well as ship types like Vindicator, gunships and strikers for you to fly around in with different strengths, speed and weaknesses. Loads of quests to complete with your own objectives and simple puzzles and whatnot, and a lot of loot to get through. It's lacking in heavy simulation elements, but I feel that that's its biggest strength personally because Everspace 2 is perfect for both a quick play and a long-haul 8-10 hour mission binge. This is clearly a game that's worth 90 plus hours because of its addictive loot nature and its many, many galaxies you get to span and explore and do trade routes and missions for. So for example, if you're in this one galaxy, a part of the, of the galaxy where you get to buy like really cheap items, you get to sell them in another part of the galaxy where it's actually more expensive and it's a high commodity. So it's like freelance trading like in space. It looks pretty too, to be fair. Oh, yeah, yeah, it really is. And the price is actually really sexy too. I think it's like RM100 right now as you speak. Yeah, 110 actually. Uh, oh, 110. Oh, that's great. It's actually yeah. worth it if you're into flight sims, if you're into space games, if you're into Diablo, because it's basically that except on a spaceship. Mm. And anything that's really, you know, long-lasting per se. La. So if you like something less complicated than Elite 2, but you want something a bit more... Loot grindy, arcadey, spacey. Yeah, you should play Everspace too. Okay, uh, moving on. We have Grim Grimoire once more. Yes, if you have to play another wizard school game this year, you should make it Grim Grimoire once more. A remaster of the 2007 strategy game from Vanillaware. This 2D strategy game has you playing an academy witch student named Lilette who has to solve the Groundhog Day-like scenario she's stuck in in a magic school. Using summon units to defeat oncoming monsters 
while also solving the murder mystery situation. You can summon dragons, demons, cat fairies and chimeras to help you. New features in the remaster include a skill tree, a fast forward feature to speed up fights, and the grand magic super spell to help you win fights easily in case you get overwhelmed. And of course, the HG visuals, because George Kamitani's awesome artwork really stands out here in this HD remake, uh, remaster. It's really hard to find the PS2 version of the game right now, so your best bet is to find this game on Nintendo Switch, PS4, and PS5. All right, speaking of Nintendo Switch, another game that we can talk about on the platform is Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. Yep, it's a remake of the Game Boy Advance turn-based strategy title series involving soldiers, tanks, and COs with special powers that you can bestow onto your units. The remake is done by WayForward and features nicely redone graphics and lovely music. while reworking the tactical strategy bits from the original. This version of the game is lacking certain game modes and multiplayer matchmaking, but at least you can still play online with people you know. So just a heads up, this game was actually kind of completed last year, but because of particular world events that happened, they had to delay it a year. Okay, um, moving on, we have uh, Vampire Survivors, Tides of the Force Curry. Yes, it's a new DLC for last year's hit game Vampire Survivors, a top-down 2D roguelike action game with auto-attacks, and swans of enemies coming at you. The DLC features new characters, a huge new stage, new weapons, and a boatload of secrets. It's only US $1.99, which amounts to RM5, I guess? Around, yeah, yeah so $5.99. If you, so if you like Vampire Survivors, this uh, Tides of Oscari is a must-buy. You've got, you got new characters you can find. The new stage itself is kind of pretty as well, and it's got some new animation and new sprites, so it's worth buying if you love the game. Mm, okay, good. Um, another release from April is the Mage Seeker, a League of Legends story. Can you yeah. tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, Mage Seeker is a 2D action RPG featuring a League of Legends character named Silas as he takes down the Damascus Empire with a rebel army he joins forces with to ensure the freedom of mages. He fights using chains on his arms and can also steal magic from enemies and use them as his own. The game also features lush 2D pixel graphics, about 10 hours of single-player action role-playing, questing and combat, and the gripping story for fans of League of Legends and fantasy titles alike. I played through the game for 10 hours, it's really good. I love the graphics, I love the action, very challenging. It's got a bit of repetitive questing, but that's mostly for the side quest stuff. And plus the many plethora of spells you get to use is very varied. So you got like different playstyles you can use and yeah, I think there's not much to say except it's a really worthy action RPG you should play if you have time. And it should be pretty cheap too. I think it's about RM100 as well or less. Um, On Steam, it's 72 ringgit actually. Oh, okay. Is, yeah. Cheaper than 100 RM. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Correct, Great. yeah. Um, If someone is not familiar with the franchise, can they, you know, play this game first? Yes, they can because uh, everything is being introduced from the get-go with the narrative. You get to meet new characters exclusive to this particular game. It's just that the League of Legends characters only come in much later. And it's mostly done like, um, how do you say? It's more like references. Instead of like, oh, if you need to know what's going on, you need to know. So it's like, they reintroduce a lot of things. Lah. So it's like a brand new story being told inside, reiterating the lore that was already established and being told for new people. So Riot Forge, the people who are in charge of publishing non-League of Legends, like League of Legends spin-offs, are making sure that the game is actually accessible for everyone. So it's the same concept as Ruin King, where you don't need to know League of Legends to play the game and enjoy it. Mm, okay, fantastic. Moving on from one 
ang established franchise to another we have Minecraft Legends yes Minecraft Legends is a console real-time strategy game featuring Minecraft characters a third-person perspective and a hero mechanic where you control one guy to build spawn points and fortifications to build your army to fight against enemy piglins the game also has multiplayer where your teams of three people fight against each other so it's got PvP you've got like PvE and yeah if you have kids if you like simple strategy gameplay this would be the go-to game for you it should be free on Xbox and PC Game Pass so you don't actually have to spend money on it mm. how's the game like because on Steam there's a bit of a mixed review here it's a very basic game I'll tell you <laughs> that um, we we see a lot of potential with Minecraft Legends but my, my, my reviewer and myself we share the same sentiment where it's a bit too basic for its own good I like the controls but I think that's as far as you can go with the, with the praises because once you play through everything and then you play through like the PvP mode, I think it just wears thin. You might as well just go back to original Minecraft for multiple, a better multiplayer experience. But um, like I said, it's actually free on Game Pass, so you're not actually losing money. Uh, Alright, okay, fantastic. Uh, up next, we have Dead Island 2. Yes, the long-in-development zombie game is finally out. This first-person action-adventure title pits you as one of the survivors from a flight gone wrong as you fight your way out of Hell A, which is Los Angeles but with fire, zombies, and a post-apocalyptic vibe and setting. The game's unique selling point includes the ultraviolence and the flash system, which makes your melee hits land satisfyingly onto zombies using many weapons you can find from baseball bats to chainsaws and whatnot. You have 20 hours or so of fun creating weapons, getting skill cards to power your character up, and you know, solving the quests and whatnot in Sunset Boulevard, in the many studios and whatnot, and the locations in this made up version of Los Angeles, in this open world zombie game. Mm, is it fun? It is fun. According to my writer, the cathartic method of fighting and, you know, killing zombies and exploring Los Angeles in a zombie ridden state is actually kind of fun. Um, I think if you don't like the repetitiveness of it all, you might get bored after maybe about 15 hours or so. But so far, it looks good and plays well. So I think that's all Dead Island 2 needs to be. If you prefer a more active Paco game, you should play Dying Light 2. But if you prefer like the traditional on-the-ground exploration zombie-killing game, Dead Island 2 should sate your jollies, especially with how good the game looks. Yeah, I was thinking of Dying Light as well as I, I look at the at the game, yeah. Alright, um, we also have a new game called Honkai Star Rail uh, by Hoyoverse. Yep, Hoyoverse's next big game is a turn-based RPG set in space and in distant worlds. So imagine Star Trek, but anime and lots of waifus and husbandos you can gacha. Coupled with old-school Final Fantasy turn-based combat. So it's not as open-ended as Hoyoverse's last game, Genshin Impact. But it isn't meant to be. It's supposed to be like a linear experience where you grind and, you know, level up your characters to take on, like, different RPG turn-based combat experiences here and there. So the game actually launches on the 26th of April, but we tried out the closed beta, and it should be similar to the upcoming game that's coming out. It's very promising, has a really nice art style, fun characters to have, a nice story, but we're not sure about the game's staying power, which, you know, I guess we'll find out when the game comes out, you know, in the and how the events play out in the next few weeks and months in terms of online events and gacha events and character banners. Yeah, I was just about to ask you whether this is going to be as successful as uh, Genshin Impact. It's really hard to say, but so far, Hoyoverse has been very 
very aggressive with marketing on YouTube, on Twitter, everywhere. So they really want this to be like an alternative. So if you don't like the Breath of the Wild clone, why not play the Final Fantasy clone? <laughs> All right. Last but not least, we have Coffee Talk Episode 2, High Whiskers and Butterfly. Yes, uh, this is an adventure game, a visual novel from Toge Productions. So it's obviously a follow-up to Coffee Talk and has you playing as the same barista from the first game where you serve drinks to your customers and hear the conversations and your situations in a very chill fantasy slash contemporary mashup. So imagine the Netflix movie Bright but actually good. <laughs> so new characters in this episode 2 includes an influencer satyr named Lucas and a would-be singer Banshee named Riona. So if you like the previous Chill Vibes game from the first iteration, you'll love episode 2. Did they do anything different from the first game? Not really. So the only new mechanics is they added in two flavors, the hibiscus uh, powder and the blue pea... What, blue peat powder? Mm, which is blue yeah. powder lah, basically for yeah. like tea. And there's a give item mechanic where if you actually are given an item, you get to serve the tea or coffee and have the extra item being served to your patron to open up more branching paths and, you know, normal and different ending possibilities. So if you want like a normal ending, you go, you don't give the item. If you want the perfect ending, you give the, the specific items to the characters you want. All right, fantastic. Okay, so that, that that's a lot of games that were released in April. Um, based on our previous conversation, you you're gonna be as busy in May as well. So what can we expect in May? All right, games that are coming out next month in on May includes Darkest Dungeon Two, which is coming out of early access, Fuga Melodies of Steel Two, and of course The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Oh wow. Okay, May is gonna be epic then. <laughs> yep. All right, and on that note, thank you so much, John. All right, thank you so much. You're tuned into GG Well Played, and it was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopore.com, summarizing some of the biggest news and releases in April. Head on over to their website, kakuchopore.com, to check out more gaming news and reviews. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find our older episodes on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.